0: Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shulton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Live Boldly Podcast. Today I have on Darcy Loma. I had a conversation with Darcy recently over Zoom and immediately knew I had to have her on. I wanted to talk with her about truth telling with your children in a time of family crisis. How much do you tell your kids and what's the age appropriate um, time to be having these deep, hard conversations with them? Before I go into this podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about Darcy and her story. Darcy is a a master certified life coach, a dynamic facilitator, and a professional speaker. Darcy served for 12 years as the director of U.S. Senator Herb Kohl's office She is now the owner and CEO of Darcy Loma Coaching and Consulting, which focuses on creating high-performing people and teams. She has been voted Madison, Wisconsin's favorite life coach multiple times. That's where I went to my university. Go Badgers! Darcy balances her thriving business with raising her two energetic daughters. She loves adventure, travel, and competing in triathlons. So let me tell you a little bit about her story. Darcy's husband was a stay-at-home dad. He raised the girls, took care of the house, um, did the laundry, raked the leaves. He, you know, would blow the snow in the wintertime. He also helped out at their church. He was a leader in the in the leading the youth band and taking some kids on mission trips. It was an arrangement that worked for them. By 2015, Loma says her business was so robust that she was becoming exhausted. She hired a business coach who helped her plan her expansion, and then in January of 2016, She hired six new coaches and brought aboard Deb McKenzie as her vice president of operations. Just months after the expansion, her story takes a little twist. Loma was on her way to a meeting when when her husband was arrested. This is what she says. So I was at this program when my phone rang and it was my neighbor. She said, Darcy, what's going on at your house? There are police cars and 50 SWAT team guys with guns. They just took John out barefoot in handcuffs and he wouldn't look at us. Gilbert was initially charged with child sexual assault for encounters he'd had with a 15 year old girl he met online. But those charges were dropped in favor of the federal child pornography charges. So Darcy and I got into a very in-depth conversation about forgiveness, about forgiving your husband who is now in prison, how your children deal with all of this in in family crisis. And I got to tell you, it was a really um, powerful, deep conversation simply about love and loving oneself and then expanding that into the world to create a family that also um, can heal. I want you to grab your journal, grab a pen and um, really curl up and listen to this powerful conversation. I really appreciate Darcy being on and I appreciate all of you for listening. I am so excited to uh, have Darcy Loma onto this podcast. Darcy, you and I just met mm, about a week ago-ish. Was it about a week ago? It was. <laughs> really about a week ago. And right away when I sat down with you and we had a Zoom meeting, and it was like sisters that went back far, right? So Darcy um, is living currently in Madison, Wisconsin, which as you all know, is near my hometown of Black Earth. And we have some mutual friends. My uh, former sister-in-law is friends with you. And your name popped up to me um, through another agency. And they said, you've got to get in touch with her. And you know when people just know that you're meant to know each other, right? You're, You're meant to cross paths. And this was definitely one of them. Because your story, your life is so freaking powerful, So for all of those that are listening right now, grab yourself a journal, grab yourself a pen, cup of tea, something to just drink on while you're listening to this, Um, take a seat. And I am so excited to have you here, Darcy, to inspire all of us, um, really. And uh, we are so aligned in how we parent, do business and all the things. And I just think this is going to be an incredible, powerful conversation. So thank you for being here. Thank Thanks you. for
1: having me, Sarah. I, I felt the same way when I started cyber-stalking you and reading your story and realizing there were so many shared values and so much alignment.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, the podcast interview that I had this, mo- this morning was with um, Brandon Farbstein. And Brandon, we were talking to him about what it's like to have lived through trauma and then be to be... Um, Uh, as a child and have their parents parenting them through trauma. And this could not be coming, your episode is gonna come out right after Brandon's. So if you've not listened to Brandon's, please go back and listen to it. Um, And this episode is really gonna be about the parenting aspect and what it's like to speak your truth as a parent. uh, You have daughters, I have sons, and how that really can empower your kids, inspire your kids to live the the best life possible. um, When we've been traumatized, family trauma is a thing. We all have it. I got to tell you, if you don't, just dig a little deeper because it's there. And um, it's really about uncovering it and bringing it to the light. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Sarah.
0: So dive in. Tell us. That's how I like to operate around this world. Just dive in. Give me your truth. Give me your story. Tell me, um, tell me where it all began.
1: Yeah. So the... Um I was working full-time for a U.S. senator when I got pregnant with my first daughter. And my husband, we decided that it would work for our family if he would stay home full-time. And so we had two daughters uh, 17 months apart, and he was the full-time everything while I worked uh, in the Senate. And um, so he did the laundry, the cooking, the cleaning, the Girl Scouts, everything. When my senator retired, that was the time when I decided to launch my own business, doing coaching and consulting and speaking, everything around creating high-performing people and teams. And so um, fast forward a couple of years into my business, I had just solidified my new thoughtfully fit leadership model that was based on thousands of hours of coaching clients and the obstacles that i found get in the way of them being high performing i found these like every client had similar stories and so i spent years researching and had all these flip charts up and post its and finally one day on a saturday in march the model like came to life and we were so excited we were ready to launch it into the marketplace that was a saturday Five days later, uh, my life blew up in the most extreme way when I got a phone call from my neighbor asking me what was happening at our house. And I said, I don't know. I'm not at home. Why? And she said, Darcy, there are 50 police cars and SWAT team and guns surrounding your house. And they just took out your husband barefoot in handcuffs. He wouldn't look at us when he got in the squad car. And I said, what, John, what are you talking about? My husband was arrested that day for, I found out later for sexual assault of a minor that he had met online. And that became the beginning of my, I say nightmare, but it actually wasn't even a nightmare because I had never, I had never had a nightmare this bad. And when he was taken away, uh, the girls were eight and nine. They had never had a day without their dad in their lives. And all of a sudden he was gone and he never came home. He ultimately was sentenced to 10 years.
0: He's serving 10
1: years in prison right now.
0: Wow. I can't even, well, I can't imagine in a different kind of way, as we all know. And my heart goes out to you. I, I, the amount of um, PTSD and everything else that just runs through us when we come face to face with our worst freaking nightmare is that we never even would imagine being a nightmare, right? Like you would never even imagine something like that would happen. It's devastating. It's devastating. It's totally
1: devastating. It, I I was in shock. I was in disbelief. I was in fear. I was angry. I mean, you every emotion you can imagine. And, and then on top of it, uh, so had to hire him, a criminal defense attorney. And on top of it, was advised to get my own criminal defense attorney because at that point, nobody knew what was I involved, what was happening. And my attorney said... Darcy, don't talk to anybody about anything. Like, don't talk. And all of a sudden, for someone who I sort of pride myself in being uh, open and vulnerable and connected, all of a sudden I had to become very private. And I I literally became ground zero for test driving my, my thoughtfully fit model because I didn't know where else to go for support when I was told to not talk. It was the most horrific time I've ever experienced.
0: So tell me about that. How did your past then help your future in that moment when you found out?
1: So fascinating because I would never have known this or described it this way prior to this happening. But what I realized was that everything I had done for the last 20 years of my career uh, conspired to support me at that moment. And certainly the, the the model. So the core of my leadership model is to pause, think, and act. And, and, and at your core, when you go back and you engage your core, you have choices and you have control. And as I was developing this model, all of a sudden I realized we're in a time when I felt like I have no control of anything. There's media trucks in front of our house. It's all over in the nightly news. It's in the paper. It's on social. I have no control. There's no choices. Or if I had choices, they were between two black and white choices, which were both awful. And so for, I had to keep coming back to this, um, this research and, and had to keep on trying to challenge myself to condition my core, which thankfully, having worked in a US Senator, there were war protesters and I worked in a presidential campaign. I mean, we had, I had dealt with a lot of conflict. And so I, it was almost like I, all of that had prepared me for this moment. Again, I, I, I wouldn't have known that or said that, but now after a couple of years have gone by and I'm reflecting on it, um, I, was, I was ready. And I was able to uh, pivot and identify in that moment the choices in control, not, not right away, not in the moment and not consistently. I failed a lot, but it worked uh, because here we are a couple of years later and my business is, is thriving. My daughters are doing great. Uh, I didn't, you know, shut down um, and, you know, really um, have found a way to get through it.
0: So give me that one more time. It's pause because this is really interesting. Think and act. Correct. Right. So in the pause, that's where we find it. <clears throat> excuse me, our clarity. That's where we find everything in my, in, in my experience. That's where I always find, I'm always a pauser. Like five second pause, take the pause before you react to anything. Because in that five second pause, tell me what you think about that second, that five second pause. What do you find? You know
1: what it that's awesome that you have developed your core, that you do that. Oh,
0: I do this all the time. That's yeah. a thousand percent, which is why I love, that's why I want to start there.
1: Yes. It, it, the pause kicks you off of autopilot. Uh-huh. So if your knee-jerk reaction is being a jerk, <laughs> right? or if your you're autopilot, your defense is to be defensive, is to yell, is to shut down, the pause helps you to kick off of autopilot so that you can think. Yeah. And that's essential. Without the pause, you don't have uh, the ability to explore, what are the choices that I have right now? What am I in control
0: of at this moment? So I want all of you listeners to seriously listen to this, please, like get your journal out and start listening and taking notes because this is huge. I not only, you talking about this, did this in the moment of my discovery, right? My That those five days of like, holy explosion of life. But I use this now, which is interesting because we've never had this conversation. You know, when I'm lost on a trail before, um, I have conversations with people, um, like everything before, you know, when people ask me to do something before I say yes, I'm always taking the pause because for me, my, in my past, okay. When I, um, since I've come out of my discovery with my husband and everything right away, my thing is guard up. I am very much guard up, get into safety zone. Just, you know, don't don't bring people in, especially in my personal space, right? But me allowing to sit in the pause, because that's all about safety. Trauma is we always, when we've been traumatized, we go back to safety. But in that five second pause, I can allow my guard to come down and actually see it for what it is. Is this safe? Can I go there? Can I have the conversation? Can I say yes? Is it in my best interest? Instead of then fleeting, fleeting and saying, I don't want to be a part of this, right? Yeah. And it's so great because the
1: pause sets you up to think and the think is where you're asking questions and you just rattled off four questions right there that you right. So once you kick off autopilot, then am I safe? What do I need to do right now? What control do I have? How can I neutralize this situation? How can I show up and have no regrets later? The think is all about asking questions so that you can create that awareness, explore your choices So that when you act, you're not reacting and exploding, you are responding thoughtfully.
0: Right, in alignment with your own values and who you are, your passion, your purpose. Yes. And I imagine in my life, I'm thinking back, this has shifted greatly from six years ago, Thanksgiving Eve, when everything happened. And I can actually, just even sitting here having this conversation with you, I know my pause, think, act, even in that moment, right? Today, it looks very differently because I'm in a completely different space and I've done a lot more deep work on who I am as a mom, woman, businesswoman, speaker, writer, author, all the things, right? So this is, it's just awesome that this, this works in every area of your life. And I, I, right? Like every area. And I use it on the trail too. Like, uh, when we were hiking up Mount Gorgonio, I don't know what, was it last week? I don't even know what day it is. Um, and we had a moment <clears throat> where we couldn't find the trail. And I literally was like, oh, gosh, are we going to get lost here? Old Sarah, and I literally mean this, like the former version of me would have freaked out and literally been like, okay, can't go forward. Don't know what we're doing. Are we going to, what's going to happen here? The, the, the deep work Sarah has taken, learned how to take the pause and say, wait, we have this. Like, let's breathe in, in our breath. Let's breathe and go there, go a little deeper, find alignment and know that we're safe and then move forward. So girl, you got this. Like this is, you are so onto something here. It's amazing. And what's
1: great is when you, you talk about taking this on the trail, the other, part of the reason I call this your core is it's, it's what makes us different than any other species is our ability to choose how we respond in any situation. Mm-hmm. And that choice and control is at your core. And you need to train and practice to be able to access your core. And so you, to go out on the trail, you have to train and practice. You can't go for a 20-mile hike if you aren't fit. In the same way, to be thoughtfully fit, to handle yourself thoughtfully in any situation, you you need to train. And you can train your core. And I always say, you know, start where it's easy. Don't start with your mother-in-law. <laughs> start right. with the person in line at the grocery store who cuts you off and you're frustrated. In that moment, instead of... flipping them off or reacting, just pause and take a breath and think, you know, I could get upset right now, but what other choices are there? And do I really want to choose this battle? And maybe you act and say, oh, go ahead. You go first. And you just then let it go. And then you can work up. And the more you build your core, the easier it is in those times like you had where, holy cow, now life just fell apart. Your core is strong. You could go there.
0: Okay. I just, Off the cuff here, the fact that you just said holy cow makes me my absolute soul sister from Madison because (laughs) you and I are the only ones... (laughs) All you Midwesterners out there, please laugh with me on that because I live out in California and people are like, what did you just say? Like, it's a Madison thing, (laughs) which I love. So a thousand percent though, I get it. I a hundred percent hear you. And here's where I'm going to also take it a little bit more of a spiritual area as well. I think for me in my five second pause, it takes me from my headspace down into my heart and gut space like that. I'm an executive lobe frontal lobe thinker constantly, right? That's always my like safety mechanism, fix it, make sure it's okay. In my book, I talk about that of how the brain, the trauma brain hits and, you know, we want to, we want to go, like we go into that, that frontal lobe, like make everything just get, you know, fix it, make it work. Right. And being able to train myself to go into my heart, to go into my gut, heart, my heart space, my gut space, and really go back to alignment of who I am and think about um, not only like brain, brain area, but also feeling from that space of heart and gut and making my choices and decisions from that space. In my five second pause, that's where I drop into. Wow. Ground (laughs) myself into the earth and really feel into what is, what is my next space? Like, where do I want to go from here? How do I want to act from that space? I used to be a brain only kind of person (laughs) until six years ago (laughs) when I realized brain's great, but your heart and your gut is like, oh, that's the place where I live daily now
1: right and it's there's something that you were talking about when you when when you feel attacked or triggered we have this automatic fight or flight reaction and and that's that's because of our history when you know our ancestors were out and about and there's a bear your blood all goes from your brain to your extremities so you can run faster so you can be stronger and have these superpowers but what happens is the brain, the blood goes out of your brain and you lose your ability to really be thoughtful. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to get defensive. I'm going to flee. And so that pause, you said beautifully, allows you to drop into your to your heart, to your soul, to your gut to check in. Okay, what? am I really at risk here? Do I really need to? And most of the time, I mean, if you're really in danger, yes, obviously go run, fight back. But most of the time that automatic reaction is not going to serve us in the situation where to tap into the empathy and your heart and your soul and slow down and respond more thoughtfully is going to serve you better.
0: So I am, can imagine that this is also why you reacted the way that you did towards your husband at the time and how you got into your recovery mode so quickly. So let's use this. Let's go from there. So this happens. You now have a model that works for you, right? You've tested it. You're literally testing this model on you in your life, real life, most intimate experience with your spouse. 100%. Wow. So go from there. So what happens next? He's arrested. Yes. What happens next?
1: Well, yes. It, and there were so many um, things that were happening so quickly, all the way from the detective calling and saying, you, you know, Miss Loma, we want to let you know that your husband has been arrested, and uh, we want to make sure that your daughters don't get off the school bus because there's a whole SWAT to it where are your daughters? I said, I, I don't know where they, I mean, in that moment that, that reaction right there came out, I didn't have an ability to pause in that moment. I was, right. overwhelmed. um, I don't know where my daughters are. They're at school. And she said, well, can you get up and look at my watch? And I said, no, I can't get to the other side of town to get, I mean that, that reaction and having to pause and take a breath and think because I was not in a good space okay, what do I need to do right now? I need to execute a plan. I'm not at home. If they get off the bus, and right? And so think, 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 what are my choices? What do I control? Okay, call the neighbors, ask if they can meet the girls off the bus to take them. There was constant um, need to go back to my core. Uh, Two days later, when I realized I uh, was in a bind, my husband was normally home, I'm working full time. All of a sudden, I realized I don't, have anybody to watch the girls. When I go to uh, my leadership retreat in the morning, I have to leave before they get on the school bus. And so I called a a friend um, to ask if the girls could come there and stay with them overnight and go on the bus in the morning. And uh, I hadn't talked to her since he was arrested three days earlier. And she said, Darcy, I need to know, did you have anything to do with this? Wow. Wow. Oh my God, Sarah. Like in that moment, it had never dawned on me that anybody, I mean, and what I wanted to do, I wanted to lash out. I wanted to be like, what? I wanted to get angry. I wanted to, and again, at that moment, I said, okay, pause, take a breath. Think. She's scared right now. Her daughter was at our house a lot, unsupervised by John. She's scared pause, breathe, think, what do you need right now to neutralize this situation? Because getting angry and getting defensive isn't going to help right now. And that was so hard because I just wanted to, right? So there were so many examples where I had to go back to the core in order to not make things worse.
0: Right, right. Wow. I know that question quite well myself. How did you not know? Did you know? How did you not see this? Right, shaming the 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 um, amount of guilt that then you also take on, and you didn't know anything. How would you have known? And that's you were doing what you were doing.
1: Yes, I was living my life. And, and that's why it took me three years to be able to have this conversation with you, because it took a lot of therapy and a lot of journaling. I went to a week-long retreat in Arizona in the desert, um, healing intimate betrayal. I had to heal, and I had to forgive myself, because not only were others questioning, <laughs> I was questioning, how could I not have known? How could I have not seen this? What kind of mother am I? And the shame and all of that that I had to process To get to the place of healing that I am now and forgiveness, not only of myself, but forgiveness of my ex-husband.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I know that feeling quite well too. (laughs) See how much our stories align? Like all of you that have heard my story, it's, I always say, yes, we all have a story, but our stories align in different ways. And we don't really even understand or know until we are allowing ourselves to open up and have the conversations. And meeting you, it was like, oh, yeah, I get this. I fully get it. Why you wouldn't even want to speak for three years. It took me a long time to be able to come forward. What got you to that place?
1: Great question. Part of what got me there, Sarah, is this, um, while while it was all over the media and there was banks of trucks outside and it was in social media and the newspapers and the news, Uh, my husband I didn't take his last name when we got married so there were some people who knew and there were a lot of people who didn't Uh, I was a a speaker and a coach and so I would go out for coffee with a former client and at some point they would say sort of innocently as you do so how are you (sighs) and then I'd sit there and I'd be like do they know do they not know do I say something do I not?" it was the worst experience ever so while my attorney said you can't talk uh, until there's until this is done it took about a year and a half for my husband to get sentenced after that then that rule was gone but I, I had gotten so private about it that I didn't know how to behave when that question came and it was the worst feeling and it created this disconnect that I didn't like in that moment I would retreat and go into my head like do they know do they not not do I say something do I not and I'm certain they could feel like wow I just asked her how she is. I don't know what's going on, but something. She just got really distant. I got to the point where I realized um, that was exhausting. And so one of our local uh, women's magazines here, Baba Magazine, reached out and said, can we write a story about, about your journey? Uh, and I said, I, I'm not sure. Let me, let me think about that. And I, I first went to my daughters and asked them what they thought. And they're like, yeah, mom, that's great. And I said, yeah, but this is going to be a story about daddy and what happened in our lives. And they said, mom, you're so strong. And that's, that's fine. I went to my team and asked them and they said, oh God, no, no, don't tell your story. And I said, why? And they said, Darcy, you hired a PR crisis communications firm and we have worked our tail off for years trying to keep you out of the media. Why would you now want to go to the media? And I said, because a couple of reasons, one, it's exhausting living a, a, a secret. And living, and 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 while it wasn't an act of lie, it just felt like a lie below mission, Like, oh, things are fine. Yeah, I haven't seen your husband for a while. Oh. but also, it felt like I had done so much work on my journey of healing and recovering that there was something I could offer to others in terms of hope and a message of forgiveness and how how I worked through that struggle to get there. That I realized it was part of my I, I, I was part of my gift in the world to, to get, to offer that.
0: Yeah. I wrote down something here. And what I wrote down was, um, the story with your husband created different stories in your head, right. Of like, what do they know? What do the other people on, on the opposite side of me that I'm just sitting here having coffee or tea with, what do they know? What are they thinking? What are, um, can I, can I express myself to them? Are they safe? There's so many things that go on in that split second question. Because, I mean, I, and I know this from my own personal experience. I had that too, where it was, who knows what? When you're walking down the street, who, who knows what? And you don't have a clue. And then all of a sudden, you're carrying all of the baggage and all of the past from your marriage and from that experience on your back. And you're, you're, it's a whole nother lie. It's like, okay, wait, now I'm hiding the lies that I didn't even create, which then, does that, does that not make another lie? Like, what? you know what I mean? So when does the, when does the um, clarity come out? When, does the, when do we start taking our rose-colored glasses off, right, and say, okay, now I, I'm ready to face these people eye to eye and say, yeah, I'm doing good, and here's what happened, or in whatever way we can. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And Brene and, and Brown talks about when you don't share your story, it controls you. That but when sense. you share your story, you get to write the ending. Yep. And for me, that was an important part of my process to, to share my story and to own it and to realize, okay, so this happened. This is now part of the fabric of my daughter's lives because that was, I mean, as a mom, probably the worst thing ever is having to figure out how do I tell them? And you know what, Sarah, the first child psychologist I called the day after he was arrested to say, help. I, oh my God, help. I don't know what to do. Uh, I said, how do I deal with this? He said, well, tell the girls that, that, that he's on vacation to buy yourself some time. <laughs> I was like, you have to be kidding. I mean, I, I said, okay, you know, thank you so much and hung up. Uh, and, and I'm like, Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? First of all, their dad has never not been there. And and then he's going to just randomly go on vacation the week before we're going on our own spring break trip to rent an RV to go to all the national parks. Wow. No, No, that I knew like of anything for, for, for going through this and like figuring out how much of the story to tell or not tell what my gut was and what served me every step of the way is to not lie, and especially not lie to my daughters. I wasn't sure how much the public had a right to know or where that line was with them, but I was crystal clear with my daughters that they need to trust me. And I can, And if I lie to them, that's going to do more damage. And I think the therapists have good intentions, like buy yourself some
0: time, but it, 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 I couldn't do it. Well, so this goes into the podcast that I just had with Brandon, because Brandon speaks as truth, And by you not speaking your truth to your children, you're not allowing your children to speak their truth into the world. So if we can use all of our experiences as a foundation for leadership, I don't care what age you're talking, it doesn't matter, they could be kindergartners, they could be 10 you know, year olds, 18 year olds. We give them such a gift by speaking honestly with them in every conversation that we have. Age appropriate, of course, of course. But we give them such a gift because then we teach them it's okay for them to speak their truth as well in a leadership sort of way. Because this world needs more leaders, period, point blank. We, a thousand percent, need more authentic, honest, vulnerable. Authentic, did I say thought, Did I say authentic twice? <laughs> it deserves There's me. a reason for that.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: There's a reason for that. Authentic times two, authentic squared. <laughs> <laughs> leaders. In this world, we need it. Like it's it's such um it's it's such it's crucial. We are at a crucial time for that. And so being able to speak our truth and be honest with our kids allows them, like I said, the opportunity to do the same. Yes. And to live a line in their values and not feel like they have to push stuff under the rug as well. I mean, to be a child and hold secrets is just I had to do it at seventeen and it was really hard. It was really hard. It taught me a lot, and how then at forty six or forty, I should say, I could open up and be the best self that I needed to be in this world. Because it yes. sucks. It sucks. It's, sucks it's Holding secrets. Yep. And
1: and it creates this disconnect when when you're holding a secret, people feel it, e- even if they can't name it, they feel a disconnect. And then that has other consequences. Yeah. And it's interesting because it was a couple of years ago, my daughter. She came home from school. This was, this was um, after the story was written and I decided to, to go public. And I was I was really nervous about the impact on them. And I kept checking in with them on how they felt. And um, my daughter came home one day and she said, she was just telling me a story about it. at school. There was a, a a girl, kind of one of the bullies in, in the class. Um, and the, the girl said, you know, this class is like prison, said to the teacher, you know. And, um, you don't let us do anything. We can't go to the bathroom. We can't, it's just like prison. And my daughter said, she's telling me this, you know, I told her mom, I looked at her, I said, this is nothing like prison. And of course, Sarah, I'm in, I'm going, Oh, don't talk to the bully. Just, just hide. Just be quiet. Just right. that, that instinct to hide is so strong in our humanity. Mm-hmm. And so I, but I said to my daughter, okay, so what, how, what did she say? Well, she looked at me and she's like, how do you know? And I told her because my dad's in prison and oh, she,
0: said, wow.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. <gasps> oh my gosh. So here my daughter had learned like, if you, if you, if you own your truth now, and there's no right or wrong way. And of course I was scared how that story was going to end, but it was like, she just owns her story and her truth in her way. And it didn't give the other kids. It doesn't give them power over her. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Wow, <laughs> it's a little
1: scary. As a it's mom.
0: Scary as a mom, I and I and I and I I completely hear that. But you know, and we have to give them wings to fly. And I think that by not being honest, we're clipping their wings. We are saying you're not ready, and who are we to decide? It's our choice as parents how much we give them along the way because we know our children best, and holding back from them does not give them the opportunity to actually do what they need to do best, which is ultimately fly, right? They need to go out into this world and create a better world for all of us. So go from there then. Okay. So, cause your story just gets more and more just like, oof. I, I, I love it. So go from there then. So your, uh, your girls, were they living with you for quite a while right afterwards or, or how was well
1: it, um, so after the, the call about, because then the, um, the woman who asked on the phone, did you have anything to do with this? Um, and after my shock, I, I said, Oh my gosh, no, I, 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 I t- oh, I'm, I'm kind of taken aback by your question. Uh, No, I didn't. She then said, "Well, Darcy, let me tell you. If I find out that the police have any pictures or or videos of my daughter, I'm sending the mafia to your house. My husband has ties to the mafia." Oh my! That wow. Um, So 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 that followed by that was a Sunday. He was arrested on a Thursday afternoon. That was a Sunday morning. I then got a call from somebody who said, "Hey, I just want to let you know that." The pastor just announced it to the whole congregation uh, that uh, your husband was arrested and they're going to have offer a, a meeting after for anybody who wants to talk because he was very engaged in church. And I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I called my attorney and I said, okay, I, 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 things are spiraling. Things are going fast. What do I do? And he said, uh, get the girls the hell out of Dodge. And I said, wait, wait, what do you mean? Get them a- What? He said, get them out of Dodge. And I said, I don't even know what that means. He said, can, do you, have, do, can you send them to your parents? And I said, well, my parents winter in Arizona, so, so no, but also they don't know. And he said, what do you mean they don't know? I said, you told me not to tell anybody, and they don't live here. And they, 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 and he's like, oh, uh, what about your, do you have any siblings? I said, I have a sister. And he said, and I said, but I haven't told her. You said not to talk. I mean, I took, I was like following directions. It, I to do. It, yeah. yeah. And so he said, okay, you can tell your family, tell your support system. So I, long story short, called my sister and shared with her what was going on. And I said, can, can I bring the girls to your house? She lived in Minnesota five hours away. And she said, yes. So I drove the girls there on that Sunday just to buy some time. And uh, as the story escalated, because there were five more suspects that were all part of this, and every time a new person was arrested, my husband's mugshot was, it it reinvigorated the story, Um, which normally, you know, there's like maybe a 72-hour arc and the story goes away. This was not going away. And so my sister said, I think the girls need to live with me. Um, and that was hard. As a mom, that was really, really hard. I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I, t- I called the crisis communications firm that I had hired because I was scared my business was going to um, get ruined with this because all I have is my reputation. And um, my the the, the um, person said, um, Darcy, you can as a mom, you can do what's right or you can do what's easy. And she said, yeah, this is not going to be easy, but it's the right thing to do. You need to protect your girls. And so I transferred their legal guardianship to my sister and they moved there and finished up the school year, uh, which in hindsight, it was, I, and I told her that the president of the firm, I said, I don't understand and I don't agree at all. And normally I have pretty good instincts in crisis. I don't agree, but you know what? I'm paying you to advise me. So I'm going to take your advice and I'm going to do it because I'm not thinking straight. Sarah, that was the best decision ever. That created like a pause in my life. And she said, you also have to stop working for a few months. And I said, what? And she said, you need to stop working. That pause gave me the time to process, to get into therapy, to, 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 to sort of, because my instinct was just to work more. I had exactly the opposite instinct. Yeah. Numb it out, just get busy, work hard, it'll all go away. And I'm certain I wouldn't be able to talk about this now had I done what my instinct was, which was just to stuff it and work harder.
0: Yeah. So there are two things that I want to touch on. Number one, what it was like for you to have others tell the truth for you. I was deathly afraid of that. I was so afraid of that. I had one or two people that did send text messages out to other people, other mutual friends, which then don't ever do that because they always get back to the person. It's just so stupid. And they did get back to me. And I had to go and make even and confront even more people because this was my story to tell on my timeline. And I cannot stand gossip. And I cannot stand it when other people tell the truth for me. Now, when I told the truth, my truth, it was my truth. I didn't out my husband. I wasn't like, hey, here's, you know, this is what, but it was my truth because it's my story to tell. Yes. Um, I had a number of people tell me, don't do that because you don't want to out him. You don't want to. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not holding the secret. Like it's not happening because ultimately then it comes back to me. Right. So that's one thing I want to just touch on was what it was like for you to have others tell the truth for you. Because I can only imagine what that would be like. And then the second thing is something that's so important that I touch on with all of my clients is the doing versus the being. Because we ultimately, are you a generator? Do you know? I'm assuming you probably are. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, are you a generator? Like, are you, are you like one of those people that, that, um, that has to go into the doing mode consistently, like running oh. the business, getting the things, doing the things, right? Uh, and yes, so, so
1: I'm in recovery from that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and, and I get what you're saying, like that pause ultimately can sometimes be a very long pause. It's not just a five-second pause. I would go on the water for two, three, four hours at a time and have a very long pause in my life just to be able to really process and to, um, to, Feel into everything that I was going through and to somatically heal from it. I mean, I would pound my paddle onto the water and scream and then two seconds later be looking at dolphins and going, oh my God, my life is amazing. And that's what I needed to do. That was my being state. That's what I call It's like, that's my being state. So it's that balance of the the generating, the doing, right? The the creating the safety, the making all the choices and decisions, and then the being with our emotions and our feelings and finding clarity and processing all that we have gone through and allowing ourselves to simply get to that place. For me it was ultimate forgiveness of. Right. That's where my ultimate space went to was finding truth, inspiration, hope, and then also finding that forgiveness from within. Um, That was my being state. So let's start with the first one though. So uh, telling the truth, what was it like to find out that somebody else told the truth for you?
1: Oh, you know, it was depending on what the intent was behind it. I think there were some times when, when, when somebody had a, 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 a place of compassion or empathy in a heart that they were doing that to protect me. And then there were like the... Um, uh, my hairdresser who was gossiping and telling other clients. And I find out after from somebody says, Oh my God, I just found out about John. And I said, how did you find out? And you know, we have to say, Oh, the same hairdresser. I'm like, told you when you're getting in the salon with other people. I mean, it was horrible. I felt, uh, I I don't, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Because that felt more like the gossipy instead of the, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you to help protect Darcy. Like, Hey, maybe you want to, you know, go bring Darcy some food,
0: right? There was a, there's a, there's a different intention there. Thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. And I want everybody to understand this because I think it's a really good lesson for everybody to remember in their pause, before you start gossiping and sharing information for others, think about what you're doing. Where is it coming from? Where is the intention behind it? Yes. Why do it unless it's for good, right? Like, why would you ever share information that is not yours unless, as you said, the intention is to protect and it's for good? Yes. Because ultimately, what we need to do is create more kindness in the world. And I, a thousand percent, I believe so deeply in liter- like, shut it down, even if you hear somebody else doing it. Shut it down. Unless it's for the intention of good, we need to embrace love and kindness in this world.
1: That's beautiful. And even as you were just sharing that story, you said, you know, when you have an urge, like you want to gossip to pause and think about what good will this do? What, what is my intention here? And then act from that place thoughtfully. And like, maybe that might be enough, that pausing to think, oh, you know what? I just want to be the one with the juicy gossip uh, right now. That's not the person I want to be. And, and then choose to act differently.
0: As a survivor, two survivors here, this is what I'm throwing out there on behalf of all people that are going through things right now, because I cannot stand gossip. Yes. <laughs> I just, I, I don't like it at all. And that means through text messaging, whatever it is. Um, in when I was having on the podcast with Brandon, we were talking about social media. And how social media is a perfect place for us to throw love, throw kindness, throw gratitude. But can we please stop throwing stones? Can we please stop throwing mud? Can we please stop throwing the negativity in this world that ultimately isn't what we need? We need we need goodness, like a lot of goodness right now, healing.
1: Yes. And, and the other end of the extreme, I had one friend who, um, when, when we were talking about it, and she gave me a hug and she said, whenever... Whenever you want to, if you need anything, you want to talk, let me know. I'm not going to ask any questions about anything. I just want you to know I'm here. And I said, I said, thank you. So, so do you know what happened? And she said, you know, I only know from when the pastor announced it, but I, my husband and I have decided we aren't reading any of the stories. We aren't Googling. We aren't going to watch the news. We're going to let you share your story when you're ready okay, that was holy. And I think that was a bar. I mean, I couldn't even do that, like to not read the stories. But that was like the biggest gift of her saying, we want you to tell your truth when you're ready in the way that you want to. Wow.
0: That makes me want to cry. Literally. Yeah. I'm, 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 that makes me want to cry. That's so beautiful. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So then move into the doing versus the being, because <laughs> we all know there's two fears in life, fear of loud noises and fear of falling, right? Those are the only two that we're born with. And everything else is, is taught and ingrained in us through society and so, or through our way of being brought up in this world. Um, I am that doer and I've learned to be that beer. And so tell me more about that with you.
1: A hundred percent yeah, so when you said generator, oh my gosh and and finding value and worth in doing and producing and crossing off on the list and you know type double a uh, and so that's why this this whole pause, oh man, has it been hard for me? And what's interesting though, the more I go back and build and engage my thoughtfully fit core. Right That pause, the more I crave it. The more like now in the morning, I sit with my coffee, I sit, I do nothing. I just sit, I, I don't even read the paper, I don't look at my phone. That never. I mean that would have been downtime. It would have like what's the value in that? So I have had to really train myself to slow down to be more. And that is a gift that came from this whole process. There were there's been a lot of silver linings, a lot of complete blessings that I never would have anticipated from this experience. And my ability to be more and not only with myself, also with my daughters, and especially now in this time of social distancing, uh, we just are we we hang together and there's no agenda. There's no like we have to accomplish something. Oh, it feels good.
0: I was just I just passed a friend on the street and he said, How are you guys doing? And I'm like I actually have had the most amazing social distancing and being at home with my boys and my niece. I've, I've learned, I think it's because also when we've been through so much trauma, we crave this, like getting back to the core is huge. The core of who we are, the core of everything. It's huge. It's so beautiful. Um, so, and I want to, I want to go into, cause I, I know we are on time as well. And I want to go into so many things. There's so many things. Uh, so you tell your daughters, okay, so now your daughters come home and they're back home. How has it been? How many years have, have they been home now?
1: Um, so he, it was, it, it was four years ago, March. So they've been, yeah. So they were, they finished out the school year at my sister. So back home
0: for three years. Three years. And how has it been? How old are they today? They are 12 and 14. And how has it been with them today at 12 and 14?
1: Incredible. Incredible. Uh, now, of course, there's still the story is still being written. Okay. Um, my oldest daughter is entering the age of the victim, um, and so there will continue to be challenges. And the story is still being written. And when their dad gets out of prison, I mean, right? There's lots more to come. So at this moment in time, though, they are they are they're amazing. Um, we go and visit her, their dad at prison. They talk to him on the phone every week. Um, they have, I mean, we went last, it was last February and I remember because it was minus 28 and he's in Northern Minnesota in prison, minus 20, not windchill, minus 28. And we get out of the prison. We were there for the day visiting and it's three 30 in the afternoon and my daughter is skipping in the parking lot. It's, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's guard towers and there's, you know, all of the fence and the barbed wire and, and she's saying, I love visiting daddy. Oh. And I was like, oh my God gosh, they have, um, it was, it was traumatic. It was hard. It were lots of tears. I mean, it was miserable. And yet they have come through this and they, and, and, and we talk about it and we talk about their challenges. And, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm so proud of them because when I grew up, it was, you know, you, you hide everything. You don't talk about it. At all, ever, and you pretend things are fine, and they are in their truth, not stuffing, not, they also don't lead with it, right? They're in their new normal, so it's not an everyday conversation.
0: I think somebody asked me recently uh, about the nuclear family, like the, fam- the nucleus of the family, right? The nuclear, f- the nucleus of the family, the body, like the, the, the centrifugal force that creates the family, right? And how it also shifts, and your family has shifted greatly, my family has shifted greatly, And I think that one of the greatest lessons that this has also taught me is that family is not and does not have to be what we imagined it was going to be as a little girl. Because as a little girl, I thought I was going to have the husband with the girl and the boy or multiple children, white picket fence, and it was all going to be so perfect. And I was going to make pies and it was going to be just grand, right? Like that's a Midwest girl. That's what I imagined. That is not what (laughs) has come to fruition. What it's taught me though, is that family is not, it doesn't have to be what we, what we once thought it can be anything that we create it to be. It's all about the basis of the foundation, the principles, the values, all of the things that we want to put into it to create a family that, that we love. Like there is no, there is no, it has to be, it just is. And so if it is your daughter skipping to see your dad in prison or hit her dad in prison, or if it's my boys now, you know, heading into Hollywood where their dad lives, that's our family. And we love it as it is because that's what it has become. There's no sense fighting it. It's about embracing it and loving it and just really valuing it for what it's become, right?
1: And that's so great, Sarah, because I'm thinking, imagine your listeners out there have a lot of different um, versions of family and some may be grieving that they don't have the family that they would have wanted growing up family of origin, current family. And I think that's such an empowering stance you're offering and and such a vision of hope that you can create your family in whatever way you you want that works for you. And if it's not that right now, well then create, recreate it right now. It's not all lost. There is still hope.
0: Yes, I mean, listen. Our quarantine family this these last eight weeks has been with my niece and my kids. Like it, I, and we literally called it our quarantine family. We were like, "Yep, this is our quarantine family during these eight weeks." And my family will forever shift and morph. I know that it's never going to be what it was, and it never is going to be what it is today because I've just I've just welcomed that in. I've just accepted it for what it is, and I can imagine that yours is the same. It's like. Whoever is here today, this is a part of your family unit, and it will forever be changing and shifting and molding.
1: Yes, and the, it sparks one other piece that I want to talk about, and I, I was a little bit scared sharing my story that I have forgiven, John, and, and I'm guessing that there are listeners out there who will, who will be judging me for that, and that's okay, because we're all at our own place, like not understanding how could you forgive someone who did that, and um, I, I, I just want to, and I talked to the girl, and I said, we're, we're a family. We're not married anymore. It's going to look different right now, and we're still a family. He's your dad, and he loves you. And that's the other thing in terms of parenting through something like this. The child psychologist said the best thing you can do is have a relation. Is unless the children are at risk or uh, you know or in danger, the best thing you can do is have uh, allow them to have a relationship with an incarcerated parent. And that was really helpful because I didn't know is this good, is this bad, but. It is absolutely um, a, a, a message that they have embraced, and almost, and I and I say that because I know that there are others who have gone through similar experiences, who are hanging on to anger and judgment and resentment, and are not allowing their kids to see their right. And, and that everybody makes their own choice. That's the best that they can. Yet forgiveness is uh, as a as a way that you can choose to explore. That just lets go of that anger and bitterness that makes life easier and allows there to be love in the family. And so it is possible. And if you're not there, that's okay. There's no judgment. If you are choosing to not forgive, I just wanna give a message that that is possible.
0: Yep. Thank you for that because you know that's my jam space. I am a thousand percent into forgiveness. It's so necessary. For me, it was so necessary in order to get to this place that I'm at today. I had to. And I work on it every single day, every day, during my pause, whenever that is, every single day.
1: That's beautiful. And I I mean, I I imagine, I mean, you know, forgiveness came when I stepped into the being. I couldn't access it in the doing because I wasn't allowing space for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. We could have another podcast episode. And will you do that down the line? I would love that. Absolutely loved. We're almost out of time, but I um, am going to ask my listeners this question. If there is something that we have not touched on that you would like to hear more of, do me a favor and send me a DM, send me an email, do something that, so that get in touch with me and we will continue this conversation because there's so much that we could still hit on, right? Like this could be like a multi-level and I'll, um, I will also mention that in the beginning of this episode as well. So yes. what a great offer.
1: And if there are questions, I mean, you get those, yes. And, and, and we want to have a part two or explore or go down yep. a different avenue that your ins- listeners are interested in us going deeper. It would be my honor.
0: Yeah. I thank you for that so much. So tell us anything else that you would like to share with my listeners um, about what you're doing, what's going on with you, where can they find you? Give us the juice.
1: Yeah. Well, so my mission, my passion is all around helping people to coach themselves. I'm a a, a professional coach. And so um, if anybody wants to learn more, my website is DarcyLoma.com. I also put together for your listeners a three-part video series that talks a little bit more about the aftermath and the shock and how did I tell the girls and so if they go to thoughtfullyfit.com, there's a place there you can uh, just sign up for that and we'll, uh, they'll, they'll get those three videos and it, they'll automatically be signed up for my newsletter that comes out every Wednesday. They can unsubscribe at any time. But I, I, I send out a message every week about how to be thoughtfully fit, how to really have that core confidence and how to condition your core so that you can step into your choices and control.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. And I will put those into the show notes at the end as well.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. I
0: love you. Uh, is there is there anything else that you want to say to them in terms of um, parenting or where you're at or just your message for 2020 right now? Mm.
1: Yes. I will say what you've said several times throughout the podcast, lead with empathy, trust yourself and just anytime you aren't certain, pause. Take that moment and think. Give yourself the gift of asking some of those really thoughtful questions before you act so that you can really have a greater freedom, greater awareness, less regrets, less conflict. Uh, build your... Uh, conditioning to do that and life will get easier. And thank you, Sarah, for sharing. I love you.
0: Thank I you. Can't really crossed I'm place. so excited for the future, for the present, of course, as well, but also for the future with you, because thank you. this is like one of many. So thank you, my love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the beach to Madison, my hometown, and we will be in touch. Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, okay. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahshiltoncrans.com to grab my free 7 Steps to a Joy-Filled Life. I share these 7 steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends, let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death